0: Real Cuff Radio is about to begin.
1: Everybody loves a
0: hero. I believe there's a hero in all of us.
1: Well, good afternoon and welcome to Real Cuff. I'm pleased to announce that today we have Tammy Trent on the line and Tammy most of y'all will know her from her music um but one of the things you may not know about her is that uh well we consider her a hero and it's because of what she went through where most people would have turned very bitter or would have turned their back on god and you know she'll go through and kind of explain and basically uh I I'll kind of turn it over to you Tammy and let you start talking.
2: Oh, Tav, and, that's very dangerous to let a woman like to turn it over to a woman and let her start talking. <laughs> you might not want to do that.
1: <laughs> well, oh. I just believe God is going to speak through you. So That's
2: awesome. Well, it's a it's a pleasure to kind of take a moment today and just uh, hang out with you guys and whomever might be tuning in to listen. Um, I think, you know, we all have a story. Wherever we're at today, sort of of leaning in for listen, I think every one of us could say, whew, man, I have a story to tell you. And I think we all do. We've all lived through tough days. We've lived through some amazing seasons where we could look back and say, I'm thankful that that storm is at an end. And some people have been living in a storm for a really long time and have been cried out desperately like, God, help me get out of this storm that I seem to be in and I can't move and I can't breathe. And, and uh, some of us have turned off to God. Some of us have run to him. Some of us just feel numb and uh, feel like God is absent from our lives. Uh, we're all on a different journey. Um, but I think the stories of our lives um, – they matter. Everything matters, whether we're seen, whether we feel like somebody's listening to us, whether we feel like they care. But the one thing that I have come to know throughout my own story, throughout my own journey, is that I am absolutely captured. I am absolutely seen. Like God knows every part of my being. He created me. And if I fully believe that, that everything was good the day that I was born and created, and I have to believe that everything is still good today. Even though my world may shake around me, the rug might be pulled from underneath me, there's still something that's stable and secure about my life. And what is the core of that? And for me, it's been my relationship with Jesus. It's not been my religion and how I've been brought up in a certain religion or denomination or how many times I've gone to church or how long I pray every morning or do I actually read my Bible or do a devotion. It's Those things are important and they, they make up who we are and our faith and how we grow. But it's more about the relationship that I have with Jesus and a relationship takes two people and For me, I learned at an early age what that meant and that I could really trust God and that he had great plans for my life and that there was promises around my life and that God had a great destiny for me. And so part of that was just walking with him every day and listening for his voice and trusting what that might be, the direction of my life. And so I've kind of made my life about that. It's not been perfect. I've missed God a ton of times in my life. I've listened to myself way more than I've listened to God. You know, I've challenged him, I'm quite sure, um, but I love that he's never given up on me. And I was raised in a great church in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I had a great youth group of about 400 kids. I was 15 years old with this, when this kid walked into our youth group for the first time. I'd never seen him before, and I thought, oh, my goodness, I love church. Who is that guy? <laughs> you know, I was, <laughs> I was so excited at that moment. You know, I'd gone to a very charismatic church where we lifted up our hands and we shouted and we sang Jehovah Jireh 77 times in a row. But I remember at that moment, I shouted louder than I've ever shouted before. I was like, well, I think my hand went up so high. I was like, oh, I love you, Jesus, and the people you bring to church. But, you know, I was 15 years old, and this really good-looking guy walked into church, and I thought, oh, my gosh. And so I got to know this guy and his family and his brothers and his sisters and found out we lived on the same side of town in Grand Rapids, Michigan, together. We got to go to fellowship group together and just like hang out as kids, like get to know each other. I wasn't allowed to date till I was 16. But when I turned 16, this same guy asked me to go out with him, and I couldn't believe it. I was such a tomboy, and this really good-looking guy was asking me to go out. So that began the greatest journey of my life when I turned 16, Prince Charming called and I said, I will go. And the adventure began. And we dated for seven and a half amazing years. And he was the kind of guy that just, he loved God big. He came to faith later in life. So everything was new to him and super exciting. And because of that, I felt like, man, I was learning and I was benefiting from his relationship with God. I was benefiting from it because I was sort of born into. A church, born into a Christian family, so in some ways it was just a bit of a routine for me, and so when this young guy walked into my life, it was just like, wow, I I really saw God through his eyes, and I wanted more of a relationship with Jesus because of him, and you know we struggled in our relationship in the sense of you know talking about purity and our youth group, and it was something we both believed in very much and tried to be strong with. And and it was something that I struggled with, actually. He was very strong and and very, um, he had a goal. And his goal was to protect me and the relationship he felt God had given him. And um, he was just so strong and so mature in that and feeling like God had a plan for our lives and we had to make good choices now. Well, you know, it wasn't what I wanted to hear, but yet it was what I wanted to hear. It was everything that was right. Everything was right about this guy. And I fell even more in love with him. So after seven and a half years of dating, we finally married, and that was when the greatest adventure of my life began. The day we were married, um, it changed everything for me. This little girl that was brought up in a Christian home, and yet later in my life my parents were divorced, and um, it was really tough for me not having a father in my life every day. So when this young man walked in my life and and just began to speak life to me and really great things and love and adventure and consistency and faithfulness, You know, everything I experienced in our dating relationship now just overflowed into my marriage, and I felt truly like such a blessed girl.
3: Tammy? Yes. When I read that in your book, uh, as a parent, that really encouraged me because I thought, you know, as parents, we're always concerned how much should we allow our kids to even go out? Mm. You know, do they have the... Uh, what it takes, because as parents, as you get older, you begin to realize all these things that God asks you to do is for your best, but when you're young, you don't always understand the consequences, and and, and what I've told my kids, you don't always think, you just jump and do. Yeah. So after reading your book, I thought, wow, what an encouragement to parents that this really does happen.
2: Yeah, I mean, you I know? think it, it can. And, and,
3: and especially on a guy's end, thank you Lord. I, I
2: know, I know. I you know, I felt so lucky, like I that I had found such an amazing guy in that sense. Because it it's tough. I mean it's tough on us kids and especially I think us young girls, you know, wanting to be loved and wanting to feel valued and cherished and pretty and important and that somebody cares and you know, it first starts in our home with our parents, you know, how much they are listening to us and especially like our fathers, you know, it is in us little girls feel protected by our dads, and our dads telling us that we can be anything, we can do anything, that we're valuable, that we're amazing, let me take you on a date night, and, you know, I never had that, and when I have friends in my life now, and I see them taking their little girls on date nights like their dads, uh, you know, I, I get so moved by that, and I think, oh my gosh, I wish I had had that, because I tended to find my value in boyfriends, and my worth in boyfriends, so when When Trent walked into my life, you know, it was a different kind of boyfriend. And I'm so grateful to God when I look back at that, that this amazing guy who lived life, who was fun and adventurous, he was non-religious, but he was super, super cool, but he loved God and he cared about the things of God and he cared about me and protecting me. I was very, very fortunate to have found that in my teenage years. Yes, you
3: were. Definitely.
2: And I don't know what to tell, you know, when you talk about uh, kids, you know, I I never had the privilege of having children, um, and I don't don't know how I would be with a parent, you know, as a parent with my kids, I would just have to trust them that they've been taught well, you know, I'd have to, you know, watch their, obviously, I would think I'd have to watch their behaviors, and I would hope that I'd be a parent that spent a ton of time with my kids and, you know, just felt like I really, really knew them. Um, but I know you can't, you know, there's, there's so many things with social media now that we, we can't always regulate all the time, even if we think we know our kids super, super well. So, I mean, I guess it's just praying, praying, praying constantly, being a yes. parent over your child, you know, and just really... Yes, trusting that when you let go that they are held and that they're smart enough. Um, and, and you know, I guess what do you, I don't know what else to say except for I think I would be on my knees every night that they were out. <laughs> yes.
1: Mm. Yes, I agree Good point. with that. <laughs> yeah. So how about we go to uh, September 10th, 2001. and one, and and tell exactly you know what uh, what happened there
2: yeah so how do I fast forward in my life after meeting the guy of my dreams and and getting married and beginning that life and you know where where do you go from there well I was a, a little girl that had a dream and in 1995 that dream became a reality for me and I signed my very first record deal and took his first name as my last name together. We were Tammy and Trent Linderink. But now on the platform, I became Tammy Trent. We started traveling the world together. Um, he started managing me and running sound. And man, we just, we loved it. We loved being together. Um, we loved hanging out. We loved serving people. We loved going on the mission field. It felt like life was just great. It was good. We moved to Nashville, built our first home together in 1999. And and came out with a, a new album on a major, major label, Sparrow Records, at the time, and had, uh, had a number one hit off of that album. And it just kind of felt like, you know, everything makes sense. We were married for 11 years at that point, and, and uh, you know, a, a number of records under my belt, and just kind of getting into a season of question, though, of, of what's next. You know, what am I supposed to do next with my life? Everything feels right. It feels good. And yet there's something stirring in my soul like something more, there's something different. And I didn't know if at that point it was starting a family, maybe laying down all this music, maybe laying down the thought of writing books someday, or, you know, maybe it was going on a mission feel like I didn't know, but I was in a season where I was asking God, what is next? What do you have for us as a family? What do you have for me individually? And I really believed that it was starting a family. Like I had a feeling God was up to something. I just didn't know exactly what it was. And we got a call to go over on a mission trip to Jamaica in September of 2001. And um, I remember thinking, this is really going to be an awesome trip. Like, I I feel like God is up to something. He's sending us on this trip. It's going to be pivotal. And we took off to Jamaica. We had one week to vacation on one side of the island to sort of just have that time for just us. And then we had a day to travel from one side to the other to begin this mission trip. We headed to a beautiful place on our way there halfway there to uh, a beautiful legendary place in jamaica called the blue lagoon trent wanted to scuba dive in the blue lagoon and so we had lunch there on the edge of the water and he said baby i'm going to be gone for 15 minutes when i get back we'll go do something that you want to do and i said perfect we finished up lunch he suited up and he slipped into the water and halfway between that dock and that hole in the lagoon that went down 240 feet deep That he wanted to explore in he lifted up his head out of the water and he waved goodbye to me just like he had done a million times before only that time was different I had no idea at that moment that that would be the last time I would ever see Trent again he sunk beneath the surface and he was gone he was free diving that afternoon. That's when you hold your breath without oxygen without tanks, he could hold his breath up to about five minutes underwater. And so I watched him for a while, um, maybe come up and down for breath every few moments. then I got sidetracked watching some other swimmers finishing lunch, but 15 minutes had turned into 30, 30 into 45. And I remember at that moment, something is not right. Like if if Trent said 15 minutes, that's what he meant. If it was going to be longer, he'd come back and tell me because he'd never want me to be afraid. But now 45 was turning into an hour. And I remember for the first time in my life, really, I was completely scared. I felt completely hopeless. I knew that something was wrong, and I didn't know what to do. I was in this foreign country. I was all by myself out in the middle of nowhere, and I have no idea where my husband is. I remember feeling frantic and uh, shocked and numb already. And I called in a dive team that came and began to search for a trend in the Blue Lagoon. And with each passing moment, I couldn't help the feeling of just simply knowing my life would never be the same again. Like everything was moving so fast except for, for me. I was just, I couldn't move. And I remember going into this back room of this restaurant being by myself, and I, and I had a very defining moment I think many of us have those defining moments in our lives where we can look back and go, oh, gosh, Tammy, I remember exactly this moment, exactly this place when a defining moment happened in my life, and mine was there. I lifted up my hands toward heaven, and I began to, to pray, and yet the only thing that would come out of my mouth was, help me, God, help me. And then I began to just sing songs because that was so my ministry to other people my whole life, signing record deals, writing songs, singing songs. So here I was singing songs, reaching out to God in any way that I could because I needed comforting. I needed to be reached. I needed God to see me at that moment. And I was doing absolutely everything I could to reach him, to feel the presence of God. Three hours went by and the guys came in and said, Tammy, we have to call the search off. We can't find him. But we'll start again in the morning and I went up to a home of two strangers and I'll never forget the next morning the doctor coming in and saying I want to show you the television in the other room and I walked in to that room staring at the television the morning of September 11 2001 as the second plane plowed into the Twin Towers in New York City I was standing there thinking this must be the end of the world nothing made sense to me at all America felt like it was falling apart my personal world was falling apart then I got the call from the doc that they had still not found anything, that they were still looking, and I felt like here I was in my own place crying out, do you know where my husband is? Have you seen my loved one? The phone rang again, and it was my family. They were grounded on planes all across the country. Nobody could get to me. I thought, God, it's enough. Like, I can't take any anymore. The phone rang a third time, and it was the doc again, telling me that they had recovered my husband's body in the Blue Lagoon. Something had struck him on the back of the head while he was free diving and knocked him out. He took his last breath and he didn't survive. And I remember just falling to the ground, crying myself, just losing it. I didn't know that I would ever survive. I asked God, where are you? I asked him, is heaven is real? I asked him if he could see me. Like, what do I do with my life now? What do I do with this? I had a million questions. I'd been a girl, a woman of faith my whole life, but here in this moment, my faith was shaken. I didn't scream at him. I just gently said, where are you, God? Like, I need you more than ever, and I just feel numb. And uh, I remember a couple days later heading to Kingston where we were originally planning on going to begin our mission trip. And I'll never forget having one of those moments just crying out to God, you know, weeping, just asking him if he could just show up for me and if he could send me somebody to hold me. I had missed my mom, my sister, my best friend. I just wanted the touch of a mom to comfort me. That's all I wanted. And I didn't really have that comfort there in Jamaica by myself. And so I asked him specifically to send me somebody to hold me, like like maybe one angel, not a, a thousand or a hundred, but just one angel that would hold me. And I remember as I was in my bathroom I remember um, feeling something in my gut. You know, I call that I felt something in my spirit. Um, those of us that maybe aren't of faith might say, I felt something in my stomach or in my gut, and I just knew I was supposed to move. And that was for me the Spirit of God that was just nudging me, just move, Tammy, get up, keep moving, keep breathing, just trust me, get up, just move. And so I got up and I began to move through that room, and I could hear somebody in the other room, the joining door was open. And I made my way over there to that opening. And I looked and I saw this beautiful Jamaican woman standing there in a Hilton housekeeping outfit. And I looked at her and I said, ma'am, could you just come in and make my bed? My room is a mess. Could you just come in? And she looked at me and she said, I've been trying to get to you. I could hear you crying and I've been trying to get to you. And then Todd and Julie, she looked at me with the sweetest compassion. And she said, can I just come in and hold you? Thank it you. was an instant answer to my prayer. At that exact moment, I believe as she embraced me, I think at that exact moment, my healing journey
3: began. Wow. That is just, thank you, Lord, for immediate answer. He knew right what you needed.
2: Yes, exactly. You know, and I, I don't think I'd ever... Julie, looking back, I don't think I've ever really had one of those moments where it was like a really big God moment, you know, and I've just sort of been one of those kids that just kind of, you know, it's not been a perfect life. I'm certainly not going to say that, but, you know, I pretty much stayed out of trouble. You know, I just trusted God, had a great youth group and uh, a great church, and, and, you know, I poured into that, and, and I just, I, I love that life. I love my life with Jesus, and but I never really had this massive God moment where, you know, where I just felt like my faith was tested. Nothing massive like this anyway. Of course there are little things, but nothing massive. And so here I was having one of those moments for the first time in my life and just specifically asking God, like, like, could you just do this for me right now because I'm falling apart. And to open up my eyes and see this woman standing before me saying, I'm here, I'm here. It was, It was the voice of God for me saying, I see you, I hear you. And I am here in the midst of all of this. And if there's one thing that I've learned through that entire moment, through that entire journey, through the journey that I still travel, is that, Tammy, you can never interpret your numbness as God's absence in your life. To anybody mm. listening right now I would say the same thing to you like I said to myself you can never interpret your numbness as God's absence in your life there's never a time when Jesus is not speaking there's never a time when he's not present in your life no matter how much we push him away no matter how much we feel like he's just not there he just doesn't get it he's not listening to me anymore you know I'm tired of all of this no matter how much we push he is in the middle of it all with us he's completely committed to us to the very end.
3: Great word. Great word. I had a question when I finished reading your book. My thought was Lord, this is obviously um, not something anybody would want to go through. No. But when you go through things, you tend to have compassion for other people that are going through similar uh, f- similar feelings in different ways. And I had thought about all the people at 911 and instantly parents gone and spouses gone and mothers and aunts and just family members and, and no closure. And and I always was curious, going, I wonder how God used her to bring hope or healing or any kind of tangible way. Did you see yourself um, through the journey? Would He put you in front of people to testify in any way of helping others that had gone through oh. maybe from 911 or just different circumstances? Yeah, I mean, goodness, Julie, I
2: I see it every day, you know, whether it's um, people, you know, if I've ministered in the New York area or Pennsylvania, Connecticut, I'll be there in, in just a month, and, you know, just different people, Maryland, Baltimore, all those different areas where God has taken me, and uh, close to 9-11 uh, families, um, or whether it's people in my neighborhood, that are saying, look, like, my husband just left yesterday, or my wife just took off, and doesn't want me anymore, and I'm just, I don't know what to do with this. I feel like there's been a death in my life, you know, or someone that's been just given the worst diagnosis they could ever imagine being given, and they've been told there's no hope, you know. I mean, there's Mm. so much sorrow, there's so much uh, grief, and there's a lot of loss all around our lives, every one of us, every single day. And we can either recognize it or sometimes we're just like, I don't know what to say, and so we walk away. But for me personally, I know that God has comforted me so that I could be a comfort to somebody else. I've learned through this journey to give my pain purpose. And what does that mean? It means that I just make myself available in the most authentic, honest way possible. Whether I'm up on a stage at Women of Faith in front of 20,000 women, or I'm at a tiny little event in Perryton, Texas with... 250 women. It does not matter. God gives opportunity to every one of us to speak into the lives of somebody else because of what we've gone Mm -hmm. through. And we have a chance to become stronger because of the storms we've walked through. Or we have a chance to say, I'm bitter, I'm angry, I'm done, forget it. And shut the door and I think I was one of those girls that said I want to do something with my pain it, otherwise it's gonna knock me down too and I'm just gonna shut the door and be depressed and probably find some way to die myself because I felt like I died inside but I crawled out of that hole and I chose to live and I chose to do something with it so yeah to answer your question I, I, I feel you know it's still hard it's incredibly hard do, do I wish that it was different absolutely do I wish the plan had changed differently yeah, the human side of me, this side of heaven, will always feel like, I wish, God, you chose someone else because I hate this part. I hate living without my best friend. Like, I hate living without the greatest gift you ever gave me. I hate that. You know, I don't, I don't want to start over again. I just want what I had. Of course I feel like that. But at the same time, I can't deny when God puts me on a platform to speak into the life of somebody that's sitting in a crowd that just at that moment feels hopeless, they feel desperate, and they walked in there saying, okay, God, I'm going to give you another chance. If you're there, if you see me, if, you're, if you can hear me, show up today. And then I walk up on that platform and I speak a, a, a story of hope and of life, and to trust God in the worst moments of your life, like don't let go, hang on, because this is what I've walked through. And I think... Because I've walked through something and they can see a girl that's still trusting God, they lean in and go, okay, I believe her. I actually believe her because she has gone through stuff. She has every right to, to shut the door and say no to God, but she hasn't. And why and how? So they lean in to say, I want to learn something from this. Tell me something, Tammy, so when I leave here, my life can be better. you know. And, and I get a pri- the privilege of, of doing that on the weekends at women's events or church events. You know, wherever it is, where God ever calls, I just, you know, I I walk up on that stage faithfully and I just show up. I don't pretend I have it all together, even all the right answers, but I just show up because I know when I do that, God's going to do something great in those moments.
3: Mm. That's That's the truth. People are uh, looking for a why, how. They're looking for answers. Especially when they feel just like they're only one going through, and they're just helpless and hopeless, and and uh, hurting, or or just numb. Like you said, the word numb. And you know what, Julie?
2: Sometimes there just aren't any answers. You, you ever you ever realize you see that? Like it's like sometimes there's just you just don't have an answer, like the answer that we want to hear. Like God, tell me why. Like, I don't know all the answers of, of why it was Trent's time, why that moment, why 9-11, you know. But the truth is that I have not spent a whole lot of time on the why because I know the side of heaven. It doesn't make sense to me. I can't put it together. So I can't spend and waste all of my days on something I will never fully know the answer to. But what do I know? Let me concentrate on that. What do I know? That God is faithful, that he's near to the brokenhearted, and he saves those whose spirits are crushed. Do I know that he restores? Yes, I do. Do I know that God heals? Yes, I do. Do I know that I have to be bold and step into that and accept and receive that? Yes, I do. So those are the things that I know among many other things about who God is in my life. You have to know God to know him. It's very hard for us people that do not walk with Jesus on a day-to-day basis. Of course it's hard for you to go, I don't know. I don't know what he's doing. I can't hear his voice. Well, of course you can't. It's like how do you know your neighbor or how do you know your friends if you're not invested in their lives or not invested in yours? You don't, you don't know each other. So how do you expect to know the voice of God and what he's saying, what he's doing, you know, and try to discover him? You have to get to know him. So how do you do that? You, you know, jump into a great Bible-teaching church, find a great devotion surround yourself with some awesome music, great friends that live life fully, a great Bible study so you can start to understand some stuff, just jump into it. If you really want to know some answers to life, then dive into it. When we, what, what do we do when we want to learn something about, you know, I want to be a doctor, Todd. I want to be a librarian. I want to be a nurse. We, we go to school. We study it. So if you want to know who God is, you've got right. to study it you got to study him. You've got to read up on him. You've got to figure this out and begin to develop a relationship with him. Good deal.
3: Well, out of, uh, out of, uh, out of time here, I just had a couple more questions I was going to ask you. Uh, what are you pursuing for the future? Any future goals? Any things that you really want to uh, press in or go for? Anything like you were saying, a new chapter in life?
2: Yeah, Julie, you know, I've been in in music ministry uh, on a platform for 20 years, since 1995 was my very first record deal. So I've been doing it a really long time. I've been faithful in this season for, you know, 14 years since the loss of Trent in my life. And You know, I I don't know how much longer I will do this. You know, I feel like I'm I'm faithful. As long as the phone rings and people call and say, come and share your story, you know, I want to be faithful in that. But at the same time, you know, there's going to come a day where it would be really great to do something totally different. And I'm not exactly sure what that looks like, you know, but I'd love to be off of a platform. You know, there's a tremendous amount of responsibility and expectation that comes with that. And sometimes it's overwhelming for me as long as I've been doing it. Um, So, you know, I'm faithful to it, but someday I may own a gym. I love to work out. I love, you know, CrossFit, some of those things. I've got some great friends at CrossFit. So, you know, I wouldn't be a bit surprised if I sell my home someday in Nashville, move to some other state and and open up a CrossFit box or a a coffee shop or something totally different Um, but it will always involve people I think because I just I love being around people that is neat that
3: is real neat Hmm. well you've been listening to Tammy Trent talk about her book learning to breathe again and uh, I want to thank you for taking the time so much to Come and talk to the people absolutely Julie um, yeah and, and, and yeah and um, you know and point them to Jesus because he's truly the only one that can help us in all our situations
2: absolutely it's it's absolutely true you're right and if if somebody's listening today needs a little bit of hope needs a little bit of life needs to be reassured that God is still breathing in your direction, then I would encourage you to pick up my book, Learning to Breathe Again. You can find it online. You can find it at my website, tammytrent.com, along with a couple other books, Beyond the Sorrow, There's Hope in the Promises of God, and all the music that I do. Um, It's intentional, and it's with great purpose that I would pray that I can offer hope to somebody that feels very hopeless. There's definitely rainy days and there's sunny days. Um, both are a part of the seasons of life, and they have their own distinct purposes. Trouble's definitely all around us. Heartache is all around us. It just doesn't discriminate. And uh, who it visits, it's just there. It's not a matter of uh, if I'll go through something. It's just a matter of when. We're all going to go through something. Uh, but the truth is that that God is a God that heals, And he says, Come to me as you are and let me heal you. Let me rescue you. Let me save you. And when you become stronger, I'll use your life also to impact another.
1: That's fantastic. Well, Tammy, would you mind praying over the audience? I'd love to. uh,
2: would love to, Father. I come to you. Um, I come to you today, Jesus, in the best way that I know how. Just sort of uh, giving you everything that I've got in the purest way that I can, the good and the bad, uh, with all that I've been through. Jesus, um, as hard as uh, the road is that I've traveled, I thank you in this exact moment, Father, for choosing me to trust me enough to know that I would um, hopefully offer my life's journey to somebody else and to tell them. God, that the only way I've gotten through this is through you and the hope that I have in Jesus Christ. So, Father, I pray for that person that just feels absolutely hopeless, that feels completely numb, that feels like there's no direction, that feels just tired, they're exhausted. I pray, Father, that you would breathe in their direction. They would stop where they're at and just take a deep breath and know that, God, you are completely committed to them to the very end that it's not over, that they have been equipped for the victory, meaning that that you have given them everything they need to fight this. I pray that you'd give them courage to speak life into any circumstance that's happening in their life right now, that they would speak words of life. And they would begin to pray. And thank you, God. Thank you for healing. Thank you for providing for them. Thank you for restoring. All we need to do, Father, is come to you that one time and just lay it on the line and pray, and then begin to thank you in faith, having enough faith, God, that you'll do something great with the ashes of our lives. And then trusting you. Whatever that outcome is, trusting you, Jesus. If we get to a place of laying it down, we also have to trust you for whatever outcome that would be, that you have our best interest in mind, that you are fully in control. So may we lean on that today, the understanding of knowing that you're in control of our lives at all times, that others have free will, that they may also cause disappointments, out of their own disobedience or selfishness, but God, I believe in those moments you can restore and you will bring healing in Jesus' name. So may we be faithful in our storms. May we trust you in the storms. May we be stronger through our storm, God, and know that this life is just temporary. So may we put our faith and our trust in you, knowing that you are a God that saves, that you are a God that offers hope and eternal life for every one of us, that that's a free gift to us. And may we accept that and begin to grow in that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen.
2: Amen, Julie and Todd. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank Thank you, you. Tammy.
1: We really appreciate you coming on.
2: You're welcome. God bless you guys so much.
1: God bless bless you too.
2: Okay, bye-bye.
0: and